hello, and welcome to another episode of Self-Help Witch. I am Dee, and I cannot fucking believe that it's already the end of Taurus season. How the hell did that happen? (laughs) I gotta say, I had big Taurus chill goals, and this year I did not get that. (laughs) My Taurus chill fantasy did not come true. It has had no chill at all. I've become that person that's always complaining about how busy they are, which is like so annoying (laughs) to me. I'm annoyed with myself, but it's true. I mean, the last four weeks at least have been packed to the gills to the point where I've had like a half hour or less to myself each day. And if you hear that and think, oh my God, that sounds like a ton of time, a half hour to yourself not for me. (laughs) I I cannot do that. Being home during COVID's peak really reconnected me with the importance of having time to yourself. And I feel like we all know it's important, but of course, many of us listening are probably somewhat self-sacrificing sometimes. And we tend to cut our own needs and wants first, right? And I hope that we're learning to not be that way, but I think that's the reality. It's hard to make time for yourself because it feels easier to say no to yourself than it does to somebody else. But nowadays, I really need that time to myself because I've reconnected to the importance of it. And the truth is, it's incredibly easy to lose our boundaries when it comes to protecting our sacred time for ourselves. I'm sure I don't need to tell you that it's even more true now with how present the internet is in our lives and our cell phones and all the technology, working remotely. I remember waiting tables in 2012 and I was waiting to cash out and my manager made some offhand remark about how he can never be off the clock again because the other managers knew that he always had his phone on him. It wasn't like you couldn't just answer your phone because someone could text you. And that stuck with me because I was like, damn, that is so true. And it freaked me out because I knew immediately upon hearing that, that that's not the life I want to live. And look at us now. (laughs) I mean, no matter how good my intentions are to be really present and focused, there are just so many opportunities for distraction in our world today. And so many leeches on our time And that can lead to us never making time for ourselves. And I would argue, ironically, even though we just spent the last two years at home, now more than ever, we are all in desperate need of reclaiming both our time and our space. And I want to throw this out there too. To me, I think time is space. In a sense, you need time to have space. If you say, for example, I'm going to take 10 minutes of time for myself, you're creating space in your day where you're not doing stuff for other people. Or another way to look at it, 10 seconds of time to yourself is not very spacious. It doesn't feel spacious, right? So there's a very interesting connection between time and space I think, (laughs) that I won't go too deep into here because it's a little too theoretical maybe. But I think that this helps us recognize how important it is to make time for ourselves because making time for ourselves is making space for ourselves. And if we don't make space for ourselves in our own lives, no one else will. So it is so important to do. Now, what does it mean to have sacred space? That's what today's episode is all about. And the answer is not what you might think. Sacred space may, for some, conjure the stereotypical, commercial, hyper-curated self-care posts. And 
this ain't that. <laughs> sacred space is the opposite of that. It's so unique and specific to you that no one could tell you how to do it other than you and no one could replicate it like you could. That's what makes it sacred. It's something only you can create when you're truly in touch with yourself, with who you are and what you need and what you want. Now, this is so important for all of us. And for those of us who are in recovery of any kind, like codependency, people-pleasing, addiction, it's an essential part of our healing. The concept of sacred space may seem like a fluffy accessory, something non-essential, but I'd argue that sacred space is a foundational block in anyone's healing or self-awareness journey. And I'll even go as far as to say, Sacred space is necessary for true self-awareness and aligned, joyful living. Emily, my guest today, is the owner of Find Your Sacred Space and the creator of the Sacred Space Affirmation Deck. I was lucky enough to give Emily a birth chart reading last summer, and we reconnected through the podcast, and I'm so glad we did because I know this episode is going to help a lot of people. It was so helpful for me to hear all of her wisdom. She's so articulate, gets right to the point, and gives a ton of very tangible, practical advice for how to cultivate your own sacred space. So I know you're going to love the episode and get a lot out of it. But before we dive into the show, I am excited to announce a giveaway. So the winner of this giveaway will receive one of Emily's Sacred Space Affirmation Decks, which is so exciting. And in addition to Emily's Sacred Space Affirmation Deck, the winner will also receive a custom birth chart notion wiki. (laughs) It's a mouthful. But basically what this is, is a written birth chart reading. So I'll make a page on notion for you that will contain your birth chart, the details of your birth chart, and what I notice specifically in your chart that's unique and what it means. This is what I do for all of my birth chart readings. So you're basically going to get a birth chart reading delivered to you via Notion. I will also include in there a video explaining everything that you're looking at and I'll be available for follow-up questions as well. So if you're listening and you're like, okay, but what the hell is Notion? Notion is a highly dynamic and customizable productivity app. I use it for literally everything from my recipes, my grocery list, to astrology wikis for my clients where I put all of my notes for their birth chart readings. I use it for my podcast guest bookings. It's my journal. And honestly, I could keep going. Now, aside from my personal use, I also use Notion in all of my work. I build all of my birth chart reading notes in Notion. I create like an astrology wiki for my clients where I put the recording of our time together, all of my notes, their birth chart. It's all really beautifully organized in one place. All of my curriculum for my teaching job is on Notion. And I've got to say, I like it so much better than Google Drive. (laughs) My drive is a nightmare, and I just find things so much easier to organize in Notion. Not only that, but you can actually link your Google Drive, so I didn't have to, like, migrate all my shit from Google Drive to Notion, which, honestly, I probably would never have done that anyway. So this was a super easy solution to make things way more organized and beautiful and also not have to, like, take that extra step. Now, I have also secretly, not publicly, (laughs) been making Notion tools already for other entrepreneurs. My most favorite project was one I just finished about a week ago, a coach client database. And if you want to take a look at what it looks like, that client posted in her stories about it, and I added them to my Notion highlight on my Instagram. So you can check that out there. You can also look in my link in bio on the Notion link at the very top. I made a duplicate of it. I redacted a lot of the information in there because obviously I want to protect her intellectual property. 
But if you're even a little bit interested in Notion and what it's capable of, take a look at it because it will give you, I think, a lot of inspiration about what Notion is capable of. And maybe it'll get your wheels turning, your creative juices flowing. And in the meantime, get in on this giveaway. So again, if you are the lucky winner of this giveaway, not only will you receive Emily's gorgeous deck with the most heartfelt, poignant affirmations, but you will also receive a super cool Notion Astrology Wiki made just for you. So to enter this giveaway, all you have to do is follow Emily on Instagram. I'll put her handle in the show notes, but it's at find your sacred space. You also need to follow me if you don't already. That's at selfhelpwitch. And the last thing to do is rate and review the podcast. So once you submit your rating and review, you screenshot that and DM me and that will enter you into the contest. I will draw the winner on Friday, May 27th in the afternoon. So make sure to honestly just pause it right now. (laughs) Pause the podcast and go do it now before you forget. I know I would forget, but definitely before next Friday. One last thing before we get into the show. Emily sent me my own deck of hers to have on hand for the show. And naturally, we decided to draw cards. And we drew the same card. I could not believe it. (laughs) And I also couldn't find a way to edit the beginning of the episode to make it sound normal. (laughs) Like have you all know what was actually happening in that moment. So when you listen to it, you're going to hear me gasp and say something really fast that's basically unintelligible. (laughs) And that's me freaking out saying, I can't believe we drew the same card. So the card we drew, I'm going to include a picture of it in the show notes, but what it says is it is safe to feel joy. To resist joy does not protect from pain. The most beautiful thing about us drawing this card is that it fits perfectly with what we talk about in the episode. How carving time out for sacred space is a practice of reclaiming joy, of reclaiming self, and saying yes to all you want from life. Okay, here's the show. Awesome. I pulled some cards before we started. First of all, these are so beautiful. I would have guessed this before I ever saw them, but I can tell like so much care and thought and intentionality went into the design and the verbiage and everything. Thank you. I'm glad that comes across because it really is like, well, we'll talk about it. It's a soul project, really. You go first. What did you get? Okay. I got, it is safe to feel joy to resist joy does not protect from pain. (gasps) I can't believe we got the same card. I know. (laughs) This is actually a card that seems to come up for people a lot. I have a friend who is a therapist that uses them and she had like three clients in the same day pull this card or something. Wow. There's a lot to it. I think there's a lot of, a lot of different layers to it in just a few words, but. <laughs> well, yeah, because where does the resistance come from? You know, that's like the first thing I think about, like, what are you protecting yourself from? Yeah. And where do we get that story that that joy is not safe? Yeah. Okay, well, I have a lot to reflect on now. That's like, wow, that just blew my mind. (laughs) Your reading reminded me that we both have our Mercury and Pisces. So I think that's, (laughs) that says a lot. It does. Yeah, I was mentioning to somebody last week, I feel like it puts me in the realm of abstract thinking so easily. Absolutely. I'm always there. Don't know how to leave. (laughs) (laughs) I'd like to get out. (laughs) Yeah. Just once in a while, I'd like to, I don't know, have some sort of linear thinking, but right? you know, it's its a gift, I guess. It is. I think it's what allowed you to make something as cool as this. Yeah, thank you. The other phrase you were using was watercolor thinking, which I loved and like really, let's be punny about it, painted a, a picture for me Yes. <laughs> about... <laughs> how my mind works and all those different intersections and whatnot. So yeah. Yeah. I'm really excited to talk to you more about like 
how you got here. Definitely more about your story and how you kind of integrated your lessons to create what you're doing now. Okay, so I'm assuming you weren't always involved in the world of spirituality and tarot. How did you kind of arrive in this this world? Yeah, that's a great question. It actually has a lot of layers. I actually have had a pretty strong sense of spirituality since I was little. It's always been something that's been part of my life. And as I've grown, it's really grown with me. It was very much structured by religion for a long time. And as I moved through the world and started to allow myself to ask questions, it really... I expanded and it expanded with me and I was able to expand through my spirituality. So yeah, it's kind of always been there. It's always been a place that I've been operating from. I love that expanding through my spirituality. Like it was a solid foundation for you. Totally. I know you went on a healing journey too. um, And even looking at your deck, which we're going to talk more about, it just feels so personal you know, how did your healing journey kind of lead you to creating this deck? You know, I, I have, I know you've talked about codependency quite a bit in some of your other episodes and that really was the catalyst for me. I really was not in control of my emotions When I, like, when I was younger, I didn't really have this desire to fit in with my classmates. Everyone was trying to have, like, the designer things and the brand, like, that's just where I grew up. I grew up in a really privileged area, and I always knew I didn't fit in. So I think just just my personality, I, I didn't, I wasn't drawn to that. I didn't feel the need to do that. But I would say, people would say I was boy crazy since kindergarten. I was proposed to with the little vending machine rings or whatever (laughs) at like a gymnastics party or something. And that's just, I don't know, that's just a strong memory because again, that was kindergarten. And I just remember fixating on, on having crushes and on getting attention in this way. And it really consumed me. I also had that experience growing up. Mm -hmm. Mom, if you ever listen to this, I'm not mad at you about it. But (laughs) in preschool, I would go on these like dates with this kid. I think the mom of that kid was like, hey, to my mom, like, let's take her to the movies with us. And she thought it was like a cute little friend date. But yeah, it was not. It was not. The mom treated it like a date. And this boy, he would like get me Valentine's Day. The mom was he was three years old. Sure. You know, it's stuff like that throughout life, just like being in these situations that felt almost like inappropriately romantic, Mm. but I was also really fascinated by it. Like, like you said, getting attention in that way, there was something very like addicting. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't think that I, I didn't have the words for being able to express what I needed or wanted. So, so what you just described is yes, like an inappropriate expression of belonging and connection and attachment, but I I don't think our society really has given us, or at least at that time, healthy ways to connect or to, to communicate those feelings because I was someone who was seen as very emotional. And I think that was reinforced as a negative thing. I mean, I felt that way too. I'm thinking back to being a child and not only was it not okay to be emotional, but as you said, that's not something we're educated about. And so it takes experiences like we've had where we have to like live for decades and then figure out this is actually not working for me and then find the names for it and learn about the names for it and what it all means. At what point did you kind of get that language of, okay, this is codependency and here's how I know. You know, I started to, I was in relationship and I really didn't know how to see myself through any other lens. I was seeing myself through the lens of the relationship, through the lens of the intimacy and the importance that I held to that person. And again, for a long time, I just thought that was, I, I, I love connecting with people. I love being in relationships, you know, nothing wrong with that, but it was never enough. So 
never ever enough. <laughs> and you know, it took realizing why it wasn't enough. It it took understanding that this was coming from a place of unmet needs way way back, way before any of these relationships, way before anything I could even conceive of and just the tension in my the dynamics that I witnessed and yeah, not having that space to take up space that I realized, um, oh, these relationships aren't going to work. I'm not going to get what I need. Like no matter how many relationships I have, no matter how long this person stays with me or how much affection or loyalty or whatever they show to me, it's not going to, it's not going to work because that's not the point. And the point was that you didn't have the space to experience yourself or the perspective to see yourself as you are outside of the dynamic of the relationship. Yeah, absolutely. And it really got to the point where I realized I was in relationships that weren't relationships that were actually harmful and watching myself, you know, having enough self-awareness through 10 plus years of therapy and just, I, I'm like a self-help junkie. So just all of the things, (laughs) you know, I had this awareness and I was watching myself move through a relationship in which I was really unhappy. And it was an opportunity to ask myself, like, why am I here? Like, why don't I just leave? Well, asking that question is so frightening though, right? Like, I think it takes major courage to not only allow that question to exist in your mind, but then to explore (laughs) the answer. Absolutely. Completely agree. It was interesting because I really was equipped with a lot of awareness and the root of of a lot of my actions and what I was seeking. And as I said, I was still in this relationship. I was still making choices that didn't align with what I wanted and what I knew to be true. So that was super confusing. Like if I, if I know this information, if I know this isn't working and I know even why I'm doing it, then why am I still doing it? Yeah. So how did you start to get out of that dynamic? Cause I think so many of us get to that point where it's like, all right, finally, we're consciously aware of this is like, not what I want. I need to change, but then, then mm-hmm. what? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it really took getting to that point multiple times and then taking steps backwards and getting to that point mm-hmm. and really just the very human process of trial and error. Right. But eventually got out of this specific relationship and you know it was really it was really liberating. It was a really liberating experience and it was what I knew I wanted, but I also at that point was I was very aware that these stories that kept me in the relationship were going to keep coming up. Mm. They were going to show up. They were going to maybe impact my choices moving forward or my perception of the decision I did make. And I really was ready to do something about that and not just move through my life awareness, but have that translate into action. That's incredibly wise to have the recognition that that wasn't just going to go away with the end of the relationship because that was, I mean, it took me a long time and many failed relationships to finally realize I had to look at myself. Yes. So I feel like this is where sacred space starts to come into the story. How do you begin to do that then? What's that mm-hmm. process like? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was really foreign for me. I I didn't know just in a spatial sense what it was like to be alone. Yes. That's really, it starts with like the external and the physical and like, what do I even do with my time? I love that you said that because I think at least for me, when I hear the phrase sacred space, I do think of like a spiritual space, but especially for those of us who identify as codependent, it is also about literally being alone. Yes. Like practicing being alone and doing things alone. It's very uncomfortable, but 
that that is the first step because you do, I think you also need to be alone to have your sacred space. So you need to get comfortable with that. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, I started to understand the power of my own preferences of of actually wanting things and of seeing myself reflected in the choices and the environments and even the objects I was choosing to surround myself with. I, I really didn't realize how much I had deferred to other people's wants and needs and preferences. That feels so true for me too. And maybe, I don't know if this is true for you too, Emily, but like, despite practicing and getting better, that's still something that I really have to be conscious of. Mm -hmm. Even something as simple as like, I've noticed when I'm feeling like grouchy about something and I'm in the same room as my partner, I might be like, are you okay? But I'm not okay. Like, (laughs) yes, (laughs) absolutely. It is. It's an ongoing thing. And partly to me, what sacred space is, 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 I think of it as an adjective and as um, a noun and a verb, really. It's it's all the things. And, and it's through those moments, it's through making choices and allowing ourselves to explore what we want and, and then and then creating that. That's that's how we experience sacred space. That's how we take up space. That's how we understand what that looks like for us in particular, because it's unique to each person. It's not something you can go find in a book and say, this is how to create sacred space. You can use rituals, you can you can adapt different things, but the combination and the way that you specifically carry it out and the reason why you're unique to you. So for you, sacred space can be, you know, like a morning ritual, but it also is just as much about aligned action. Absolutely. That's so powerful. What are the components of sacred space to you? Yeah, honestly, quiet (laughs) has been a huge thing, (laughs) which I know a lot of people don't like, but I think with the pandemic is something that we were faced with in a different way, a lot of us. You know, when it's more comfortable to reach for something distracting, just being with yourself. And that can look a lot of different ways. It can look like a walk. It can look like, actually like sitting still in meditation. Something I I really love is just like a really intentional and present shower. Mm -hmm. I'm like so there with myself when I'm showering. It's just like this cleansing experience. And it really, a lot of times is just, it's a shift. It's a shift of becoming present in the moment, moving from these thoughts over here to just being in your body and allowing whatever flows to flow. So that's a little bit abstract, but there are concrete affirmations being one of them. (laughs) Well, you're bringing up a really good point about awareness. Hmm. Like that to me is the common denominator right now is there's a high level of awareness when you're sitting in meditation, when you're taking a present hot shower, which also 10 out of 10 recommend. Um, Yes, (laughs) definitely. Or even like making an intentional choice, right? That like verb element that we're talking about, that requires a high level of presence. You you really can't make an intentional choice without being totally present for it. Yeah. Do you feel like it's a like chicken and the egg thing? Like if you just sit and do it, the awareness will come or, or is the awareness something you need to kind of cultivate in order to do this? That's a great question. I think it's hand in hand and I think they they kind of take turns having the spotlight and and kind of lead one another really. I think that's helpful for people who are maybe like, "Oh, I have to meditate." Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know a lot of people feel like averse to it, which by the way, it try it again, maybe. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> not to uh I mean, that's what I would do, just me. Just saying, but um yeah, there's it's really just about awareness and meditation isn't the only way to cultivate awareness. I've heard people tell too about like putting reminders on their phones. I've tried that before. And I think there's even apps that do that. Yeah, there are reminders on the phones are huge because we're in front of our phones all the time. Um, 
alarms even because it's really going to be in your face if you have to turn it off. <laughs> and that that is really huge is the exposure, the exposure to something new, the exposure to what it is that you want to take up your time and your space. That's part of claiming and reclaiming space is I think one of my cards says um make space for what is by dissolving what isn't, something along those lines. And when we really it's it's the act of replacing those thoughts and replacing the things that are taking up space within us that aren't serving us anymore with something that that is that does serve us and something that is our choice rather than a lot of the energies of the world and of other people and the opinions of other people it's really like a reclaiming when you're in that place where you're needing that to happen, I think like kind of, as you were saying earlier, you don't really have the language to explain how you're feeling. And you, you may not even realize that that's what you need to do. You're just like, I'm not satisfied. Something's not right. What do I do? Mm-hmm. So if let's say, you know, yeah. it, best case, like someone's aware. Yep. Okay. I need to start reprioritizing myself and my needs and my desires, but I don't even know what those are. Like when I first uh, started studying my birth chart, I actually was trying to figure out what I like to do for fun, which I feel like is so sad that I like couldn't even tell you. It's so common. And that's, that's what, what I'm saying. Like, what do these people who were like us, right. That, I mean, we've been there, Like, where do you begin when you don't know anything about yourself? Yeah, no, it's a great question. And I really think so many people struggle with it. And I think it's really powerful to to say it and for us to be having this conversation because it it does sound kind of silly or, or weird. Like, I don't know what I like, but I think it's such a common experience and to normalize it, I think just takes some yeah. of the pressure off of it. Um, really, I think trying something, trying anything and, and allowing yourself to, to kind of even just make a list of things that even the smallest spark are connected and go from there, just dive in somewhere and it's really learning how you feel in the in certain situations, learning what it means to feel mm-hmm. lit up and then and then seeking out that feeling and identifying where where do I feel this? And then that's when you know what you like when when you're when you're connected with yourself in a way that feels really unique to you and feels invigorating and you just kind of know it's hard to explain, but I think through just trying different things and allowing yourself to, I, I, this is a little, a little bit of a tangent, but I meet so many people that are like, Oh, I'm so not creative. Like I can't do art. I'm not artistic. And as someone who also can struggle with perfectionism, I understand where they're coming from but it's also heartbreaking because it's about the process and it's about enjoying it. And I think a lot of us get really caught up um, just not trying new things because we don't know if we're going to be good at it. It's not about being good at it. And I actually think that that's related to why we get in this place of I don't know anything about myself and I don't know what to do about it. Yeah. Was what I heard you say is like, let it be fun. Just try stuff. Absolutely. And that's really hard for people who are perfectionistic or have always been that way. Yeah. I feel like that's like a really important takeaway from what you just said is like, try not to take yourself so seriously and see what happens, you know? Absolutely. And I think another thing, especially with people who have experienced codependency is being really used to and consumed by chaos and chaos has a a certain energy and a certain feeling to it. So I found when I allowed myself to be alone, I was bored sometimes. (laughs) And I noticed that one of the things, one of the problems I was solving for through these relationships was boredom. And 
you know, learning that that's okay, that it's okay to have spaces in between the fun and wild moments and drama doesn't equal love is another thing. So yeah, yeah. Now I'm thinking about the card we pulled again, because me too. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like that is really what you just described about the chaos. It's safe to feel joy to resist joy does not protect from pain. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think people who don't want to identify with their codependency anymore have to learn how to do that how to how to just feel joy again maybe i'm projecting but i agree no i uh, agree with that very much you know a lot of on, on the, being on this journey now and and when i do find myself allowing myself the space to notice my preferences and then to pursue them I think of how many times those things were just decided for me when I was younger. This is what we're going to do. This is when we're going to do it. This is how we're going to do it. This is what the house is going to look like. And of course, you know, we're, we're children, so we don't get to make all those decisions. <laughs> However, I think it's getting back in touch with something that was always there. I think there are certain things about us that innately just align and and are enjoyable and interesting to us and it's kind of getting back to a place that's that's quiet enough and open enough and uh, a blank slate enough to not be clouded by what everybody Mm -hmm. else thinks or wants for you or has kind of decided you should do this is reminding me a lot of the episode i just published about values and having to like reset your filter kind of totally like take stock of who who's making decisions here. Yeah. I would love to know how affirmations came into the picture for your sacred space journey and how that kind of evolved into you creating your deck. Yeah. So it links really well to that kind of, starting over and, and resetting the filter and um, kind of diving into those narratives and finding out what are they, how are they enforcing what I'm doing? You know, at this point in my healing journey, this was now end of 2019. I, you know, was very aware that narratives are something that we collect along the journey of our life. And Oftentimes they're reinforced by repetition. So we encounter different situations and and pains that kind of shape how we see the world. And so making this courageous decision, I I realized I needed to do something different. As I Mm -hmm. said, I, I had this awareness, but I wanted it to actually reflect in my life. So I thought maybe if these things were impactful and so repetitive, Maybe I could do the opposite. Maybe I can replace those stories with with the new ones. And I I did that through through words. So I quite literally, uh, just days after my breakup, wrote down on different like small, like jotted down on small sheets of paper just things that I needed to tell myself, things that I knew were true, uh, my values things I had learned in therapy and discovered about myself that were just unaccessible when it came to a point where I was triggered or I was in a situation that was all too familiar and, you know, just not able to access my Mm -hmm. truths. So, you know, I wrote down all these things I needed to hear and I, I carried them around with me. I read them multiple times throughout the day. I read them when I was emotionally activated. I read them when I felt fine And, you know, I kind of, I just kept doing that. And I really did start to see change in my life. I I started to not crave the presence of another person or, or them needing to witness me or my emotions in order for them to be valid. I I noticed that silence was a lot more comfortable because these new stories were, were replacing what was there. They were replacing the painful ones and it was really working. So Fast forward a year and a half, 
I don't, I don't know, time strange, <laughs> some, some amount of time later, actually May of 2021. So a year ago, I, you know, I had been trying to figure out what, what do I want to do? I want to, I want to somehow bring together my, my healing journey and my art. And I just, I just want to create something. And multiple times uh, an affirmation deck had come up and had been suggested to me or, or it just kept popping up in a lot of different ways. And I, I didn't quite know where to start, but at some point I realized, oh, I kind of already did this. I kind of already made an affirmation deck for myself back in 2019. And yeah, a lot of these affirmations are directly from those scribbled pieces of paper. And I actually have, I have a lot of those papers and to see them side by side with the cards is, is really powerful. Yeah. A very potent symbol of your journey. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I'm curious if it was an aesthetic choice or if there was a more symbolic reason why there's eyes on every card. Yeah. You know, I, it was something I definitely struggle with decision fatigue. So it was something that, that kind of kept me at a certain point in production for a while. I, it was just another art piece that I did at first. It was some of these eyes were all part of one piece and I, I kind of took them apart and did some rearranging and, and realized, I think I have a theme here. So it did start kind of on a surface level, but it, it very quickly, I very quickly understood it to, to be to be potent in the sense of my specific journey with affirmations is helping me feel seen and feel seen by myself. Oh, that's so beautiful. I, I think eyes are so like, they have a lot of symbolic potential. Totally. And you know, like what you just said, I wouldn't have thought about, but I love that. And I, I can make my own meaning from. Absolutely. That's what I love too. I love, it's been really powerful seeing how people use these on their, their personal journeys. And honestly, the reason why I have that create your own card that, that you pulled earlier is because affirmations for me are very personal, obviously that these affirmations and the ones that really helped me in that transformational time, they, they directly came from my narratives. I, I acknowledged what my what my negative stories were and from there wrote the opposites, wrote down things that felt accessible to me and felt healing to me. So the reason I have a create your own card is I really I really do encourage people to to create their own affirmations and and you know sometimes generic affirmations are helpful like I am worthy, I am beautiful, you know, but there's something really powerful when they are the specific words that you need. I'm glad you brought the narrative piece of this up again, because it, I love that so much for so many reasons, because I think when we feel stuck or trapped by these, these stories, it's because we believe that they're us or they're like inherently a part of us and we really can't separate from them, mm -hmm. but actually they are narratives and yes, they are things that did happen to us but we don't need to be defined or limited by them, especially if they're harmful. Absolutely. So I think that's a really powerful way of framing it. And I was going to ask you, well, how would people go about writing their affirmations? But that's how, like you identify the story mm -hmm. and then you write what you want to replace them with. That's how. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And you pay attention too to the things that really, that hit home for you. So, you know, I, I could, I could look back and think about from all of the people that I've dated and that I, you know, played out this pattern with, what were the moments when I felt really seen? When I, when I hear something in a movie and I watch a dynamic, like when do I start crying and why? <laughs> you know, there's a lot of different ways you can kind of tap into what it is that you need. And again, it's, it's about that's, that's sacred space to me. It's, it's seeing, it's seeing your needs and yourself reflected in internal and externally. So if somebody's just kind of getting started with sacred space and they want to mm -hmm. like set aside some time, what do you do when you're giving yourself a moment of sacred space? What would you yeah. recommend? Yeah. So I think, 
I think I said these questions earlier, but I back to them is really important. And journaling about them and them come up and, and I'll say them again because this is this is an actionable thing. What are your preferences? What do you want? And what makes you feel most connected to yourself? There's no wrong, right or wrong answer. This will change a lot. And I think it's more uh, the act of, of asking those questions that really um, reveals what is sacred and special to you. Me in particular, I, I need to move my body in some way. I need to either stretch or, or get in, into nature and really feel the energy moving through me. Affirmations, of course. I, I do use my own affirmation cards, but I also use songs a lot. There's some songs that are really full of af- uh, affirmations and, and just just beautiful reinforcers. So that can be a really great way to, if you don't know where to start, is to to pick a song that just speaks to you and allow it to to kind of take up space within you. Same thing with podcasts. There's actually a lot of affirmation podcasts where there's tons of topics and you can kind of just go to what it, whatever it is you need and and listen to it. And just, again, you can have it playing in the background while you're doing something else. It's really that exposure. And then this one is something I also do every day and I think can be done easily, but something small to start with is, is a comfort item. So, you know, you might already have this like a favorite rock or crystal or a piece of jewelry or a t-shirt or or even an outfit something something it doesn't have to be like a traditional item or uh, something that would be regarded as special by everybody the idea is that having it with you feels safe having it with you um, reflects you back to yourself and reflects a value whether it reflects, um, again, a reminder of something or, or even if it's just something that you like. And again, you can create that spark and that feeling of something that I enjoy and, and creating that feeling whenever you need it. Those are amazing practical tips. You don't have to buy anything. Just no. Yeah. Yeah. You really can. It's all about what you have around you and, 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 seeing what catches your eye. I think one thing you're saying in so many words that would have helped me a lot at the beginning of my journey and and even now is like really helpful reminder is that this, what we're looking for is it's a felt experience. It's an embodied experience, Mm -hmm. the feeling. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the maybe like pitfalls that I fell into at least is I was so out of my feeling body that I was trying to understand something. I was making it intellectual. Like I felt like I needed to figure myself out. And what I really needed to do was just find a way to feel what I was feeling. Absolutely. That resonates with me real hard. (laughs) And I definitely intellectualize the crap out of everything. And uh, there is a difference between thinking your feelings and feeling your feelings and I do think the affirmations have been a nice kind of cross section of that because um, I love writing and, it, you know, it employed that aspect, but then it allowed me to bring color and and feeling and emotion into it. So it kind of filled both of those things and allowed them to come together and, and not lean too heavy on either side. Yeah, because... <sighs> Words are powerful too. And I mean, if we can get our minds, our our bodies, and if we can get everything on board, we're gonna be very yeah. present for it. And it's going to it's gonna resonate more deeply too. So it's not about like banishing the intellectual, but just is it on is it up too high, you know? Totally. Yeah, I'm giving enough time for all of it. Mm-hmm. Mental, physical, spiritual emotional. (laughs) What are some ways you've seen? How how can people use these affirmation cards? Yeah, there's a lot of different ways. You can pull a card, you can kind of shuffle through and pick a card that feels good to you. You can just take the first card on top. You can have a specific intention or question or you don't need to. But if you want to start the day and you want kind of 
some guidance, you can kind of ask the question out loud or to yourself and then pull a card and see if it if it seems to connect for you. Sometimes I just shuffle through and read them all <laughs> um, and kind of reorient myself. But another thing I've been doing lately is is looking through and just taking out the ones that really stand out to me that day. And sometimes I'm thinking like, oh, they're all going to be the same, but it really does vary depending on the day and what I need. I'm drawn to the different ones. So there are tons of ways to use it. I, I also, you know, love just like pulling a card and sending it to a friend. Oh yeah. I love that. Sending it by text or something. So yeah, as I said, it's cool to share these with people. I, I do have a lot of friends who are therapists and uh, Reiki practitioners, things like that, and use them with their clients. So it's a really, they're a great aid to, to other practices and, and just kind of, you know, supporting the healing journey in a, in a unique way. And I will say too, just to add to the like ways we can use these, I've been using them for my altar. Mm-hmm. I mean, basically yeah. just doing what you were doing, right? Picking the one that I like or pulling one for the day and then like making it beautiful and putting it by a candle and like letting it really, for me, that is like a way of saying, okay, this is the one or these are the ones. And it really just makes it, makes it so it's like a declaration. I love that so much. That's really powerful. Well, thank you for making it possible for making these affirmation cards. I'll put pictures whenever the episode goes live, you guys will see some of the you know what I'll do is I'll post a picture of the one that we both drew. Yeah, that's a great idea. Emily, where can people find you? How can people work with you? Yeah, so I am on Instagram at find your sacred space. I have a square website where you can buy the affirmation cards. I am actually about to release a new product. So that is coming up hopefully sooner rather than later. And It'll be another practical tool to kind of add to your practice of self-discovery. And it really is a companion to the cards, so they can be used together or separate. But that's kind of where I'm at right now. And, you know, I'm always available and love having conversations with people about sacred space, about what it means to them, and just kind of holding space to explore. Feel free to DM me. Feel free to just get the conversation started. I, I love that. Oh, that's amazing. And so generous for you to offer that. I'm so curious about what's coming, but I'll be patient. Yeah, Uh, I know. I was thinking about saying like, no, hold back just for now. (laughs) That's okay. That's all right. Um, Well, I had an amazing time talking to you and we'll, we'll talk again. Totally. Well, that's it for this episode. I hope that you enjoyed it. Don't forget if you want to enter the giveaway to follow Emily, myself, and rate and review the podcast. Send me the screenshot of your review to enter. And in the meantime, I love you. Keep going. Goodbye.